a, uh, a retreat uh, that the Mission Society was having. having. And so there were uh, four couples uh, that are with the Mission Society and, uh, and then a, a representative from the Society here in Atlanta. And so we had a retreat that weekend. And then I had opportunity to meet uh, many of the, the Chinese workers that, uh, that Jason and Felicia are working with, uh, some of the students that they meet with, as well as um, uh, some of the others that they have, uh, have been students and are now out in ministry. Very exciting, uh, really established in a significant place. And then also they have a little foster daughter now, uh, Juju, who's a beautiful baby. And it was interesting, we uh, noticed uh, another family there with um, Iris Ministries, and uh, they are um, also taking in foster children, really have a heart to say, you know, we want to believe in 10 years uh, that there will be no more orphans in China. That's a a big deal. But uh, the thing is, they're giving themselves to that, and uh, it's just neat to see the many ways that God is encouraging them to make a difference in that country. So... Uh, bring greetings from them. They're doing great and uh, miss you guys, but uh, the Lord's really using them in a big way there. Um, this morning, I want to kind of continue with uh, the whole uh, message that we celebrated last week, Resurrection. And uh, I know David's uh, taking you through uh, 1 Corinthians. Uh, I want to jump ahead a couple of chapters from where he is right now into 1 Corinthians 15, which is really kind of an anchor uh, chapter on the whole issue of resurrection, and uh, I want to uh, read a passage, but I'm, I want to paraphrase it a little bit, because I think a lot of times we in the West don't really understand resurrection. We, uh, we see Jesus is raised from the dead, we think, okay, he came back to life into these bo- this body, and was here a while and then kind of ascended into heaven. We're not quite sure what happened. Maybe he kind of dissipated into the realm up there, you know, in some kind of spirit or something. But what you need to understand uh, when the Scripture is speaking of resurrection, particularly the resurrection of Jesus and ultimately our resurrection, is not being raised back into this life. It's being raised into the life of the age to come. It's being raised into a new creation body. That's why when you read the resurrection accounts of Jesus, he's not the same. He's the same, but he's not the same. I mean, they recognized him, they couldn't recognize him. I mean, yet he had features in the way that he now existed. He, he was physical, he had a physicality, and yet he could move in and out of uh, dimensions. Uh, he, there, were, there were things that were different about him, but there were things that were the same about him. And the reason for that is that he had been raised into a body that is made for the new creation, what God intends for us in the, in the age to come. And uh, that's what excited the early church because here in the middle of history, now the Jews believed at the end of the age there would be the great resurrection and, and uh, people would be raised into the new creation. But here in the middle of history, 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus came out of a tomb and when he came out of the tomb, He had the body of the coming age. And the early church saw him, touched him, talked to him, and that became the great message of the gospel announcing that Jesus, the Messiah, has been raised from the dead into this new creation body. Uh, For that reason, I want to read this passage and kind of paraphrase it a bit because we 
throw around words here that we many times don't fully understand what's being said. So uh, if you look at uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 20 and 28 through 28, uh, let me uh, read this with a bit of a uh, kind of an amplified version, if you will, of, uh, of these words. Uh, beginning in verse uh, 20, But Messiah has been indeed raised from the dead into a new creation body. That's what they're saying when talking about resurrection. The Messiah has been raised from the dead into a new creation body. He is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For those who have died, he is the first one to be raised into this kind of body. But many others will in the future. He's just the first fruit of this resurrection. For since death came through an old creation man, the resurrection of the dead comes through a new creation man. For as in Adam, the old creation man, man all die, so in Messiah, the new creation man, all will be made alive. But each in his own turn, Christ, our Messiah, the first fruits. In other words, he's the first one to be resurrected into this new creation body. Then when he comes, when he comes back uh, at his second coming, those who belong to him will be raised into these new creation bodies. Then the end will come, not the end of the world, but the end of this present evil age. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God, the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. That's when the general resurrection will happen. Um. Now, when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself uh, who put everything under Messiah. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him so that God may be all in all. Uh, a number of years ago, Kathy and I were uh, serving a church in Minnesota, uh, Bethany Missionary Church, located on a campus where there was a missionary school. And so every year we had students coming in from all over the United States trained to be missionaries. And uh, sometimes students came from across the, the world to, to come to this school. And I remember one year we had a young lady from Tajikistan named Munera who, who came to the school. She had come out of an Islamic background and had been converted to Jesus. Uh, because of her conversion, her family tried to kill her. She escaped, but she was disowned. And so these missionaries took her in, discipled her, and it was out of her relationship with them that she learned about Bethany Missionary College because these missionaries had gone to the college. And uh, she began to feel a calling to come to the United States and go to that school. And they, the, obviously the missionaries were very supportive of that. But as she was praying about it, she really felt like the Lord was saying uh, to honor her father, she needed to go to her father and ask for permission to go to the school. So here's a, a, a young girl who has converted to Christianity going to her Muslim father to ask if she can go to the great Satan, the United States, and go to a missionary school to learn to be a missionary, a Christian missionary. And, uh, you know, the missionaries were a little nervous about the whole idea, but uh, she really felt God was saying do this. So she went to her father. He was surprised to see her, welcomed her in, she began to explain to him why she had come, that she needed his permission to go to this school. 
the thing that kind of captured her father was the transformation on Monero's face. And, and you could see that. Any, any, uh, it, when she came to the school, she just glowed with the presence of God. And um, he looked at her. And in the conversation, he asked her this question. Munera, do you have hope? And she said this to her dad. She says, Daddy, I have a hope so bright it burns my eyes. Now, what she was saying is, since I have come to Jesus, there is a hope in my life that's so powerful that it affects the way I live. It affects the way I see things, the way I think, the way I understand life. My life now is anchored in a hope that is beyond my greatest imagination. When I look around in the American church today, I find many believers, and we have kind of a hope, but uh, sometimes I wonder if we have the true New Testament hope, this hope that is so big and so great and so powerful that it affects the way we think, the way we live, the way we choose, uh, the, the way our, our life is, is given to the Lord. Um, and, and, and many times I think because we kind of settle for a lesser understanding of what our hope is, we're missing out on what Munera was sharing with her dad about this hope that is so powerful and strong that it really alters her life. Uh, one of the things that Paul is saying in this particular passage is, look, our hope is this. God, in his purposes will bring about a new creation. It will be a new creation where heaven and earth are brought together. In the Old Testament and New Testament, there are prophecies about this coming age in which God will accomplish this purpose. And not only is it the hope about what God is going to do, but the hope is about how God is going to do it. Because if we know how God is going to bring this about, we understand how God works in our life even now in this present evil age. Uh, even now in this time in which we're living, it gives us understanding as to how God works. And once we understand that, that makes a difference in how we live, how we choose, how we think, how we believe, because we understand how God works in our life. So this morning what I, I want to do in our time together is just talk to you a bit about um, what, what this hope means in terms of what it tells us about how God is working to bring about his purposes, and also what it tells us about how God works now to bring about his purposes in our life. And the first thing I would say this is that we have a hope in a God of supernatural transformation. That God's purpose is to transform things. Now, uh, Paul indicates that uh, when we... Uh, are living in the new creation, when God brings about his purposes to bring heaven and earth together, we will look back and what we will see is uh, a, a, a picture of God's transforming power that ultimately brings about our future hope. Uh, Paul says that when that time comes, God will be all in all. That's what we have at the end of this particular passage he says, when that day comes, God will be all in all. There will be a coming together of heaven and earth in a way like we can never imagine. And we'll experience the, the fullness of both realities. Uh, Isaiah puts it this way in one of the great prophecies concerning the end of the age. 
Isaiah 11, 9. They will neither harm nor destroy on my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So this is a time in which God's presence will be known in creation in all of its fullness, just as the waters cover the sea. So his knowledge of the Lord, the presence of the Lord, will be known in this future existence that is promised to us in the Scriptures. Now, what I find, and again, a lot of times among believers, is that we don't have a hope in transformation. We have a hope in escape. That, that really our only hope is to somehow escape the way things are instead of believing that God will transform things into a whole new level of His glory and of His purpose. Uh, I find today many people, when they, when they think of this creation this creation that we live in now, uh, basically our attitude is this, this world is so infected with sin and death and evil that all God can do is wad it up and toss it away. It's, it's kind of like our view is that God basically has failed at creation. I mean, he, he created this. It was a nice try, but it kind of got out of hand. And now all God can do is kind of at the end of the age, just do away with it. Do away with the material realm, and, uh, and, and that'll be the end of that. He'll have something for us. We'll escape from this. But, uh, but what he intended to bring about was a disaster, and all he can do is just kind of shut it down and, and move on to something else. It's kind of like the creation is this uh, uh, Titanic, you know, and it's going down. And so what God offers us is a lifeboat to shuttle us out of here at the end of the age, when he, uh, when he destroys all of the material realm. And so we are shuttled off into this kind, to become kind of uh, bodiless refugees in some kind of spirit realm for the rest of eternity. Well, if that's your understanding of our future, then you do not understand the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because when Jesus came out of the tomb, he came out of the tomb with a physical body. Now, it's not this body, this body that we have now, but it's the body of the coming creation. It's a body he still has. It doesn't decay, it doesn't die, and it doesn't sin. He has it now in heaven. He can exist in heaven with this physical body. He can exist on earth in this physical body because this will be the body that will be able to navigate in a world when heaven and earth come together. And he has this body now in heaven. And when God raised his son Jesus from the dead, what he was saying to us, he was giving a clear signal, I am not done with the creation. I'm going to take it to a whole nother level. I'm going to redeem it. I'm going to restore it. I'm going to transform it. I'm going to bring heaven and earth together and my glory will dwell in it and I will give you a new kind of body to enter into this new age this new transformation, this new earth where heaven and earth come together. So God is saying through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, listen, I'm not done with creation. And if you want to know how to get into the new creation, then you need to follow this man because I've given him the body of the new creation to say to you, he is the way in. Believe in him, trust in him, live for him, and he will take you in to this new reality that I have in store for my people. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is God's way of saying, 
I'm not into the destroying business. I'm in the transforming business. Now, he will get rid of all evil and death. He will get rid of all sin. He will cleanse the creation of all the stuff that has created such chaos in this present evil age. But he will transform the creation into a whole new reality beyond anything we could ever imagine or comprehend. I, I know a lot of times when I'm out in creation and just enjoying the beauty of what God has created, I kind of feel like every now and then the Spirit is saying to me, Mark, if you like this, wait until you see what i got in store for you. I'm going to take it to a whole other level because I'm going to take this creation, transform it, and join it with heaven. And it'll be an incredible gift from our Creator God. Now, what I want you to see is, is how our hope determines how we live. If we have a, simply a hope of escape, then when we look at life and we look at our problems and we look at our issues, then the very best that we can believe for is that somehow we'll get out of it. We'll escape from it. That God will give us the grace to kind of endure until we can escape. But if we have a hope of transformation, then we can look at whatever we're facing and we can think, you know, if God is going to take this creation that is infected with sin and death, and evil, and he's going to transform it into a new creation that is filled with his glory, then I believe God can surely do some level of transformation in the situation I'm in. No matter how difficult, no matter how hard, no matter how, how uh, bleak it seems, I can believe for transformation. And that was the early church's understanding. They, they understood that God will not only in the future bring about a supernatural transformation, but God works in the present, in this present evil age, in this time in which we're living now, through the power of his resurrection. The, the message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is this. Our God is not a failure. He is always working out a way to bring about his purposes for all of eternity. He's done it through the death of his son, by atoning for our sins, and the resurrection of his son is a sign to us that he is the way into the new creation. And that we as believers in Jesus can believe for this same kind of transformation. Not at the full level that we'll see when the end of the age comes. But even now in this present evil age we can believe for expressions of this supernatural transformation breaking out in our life. My goodness it's already happened in our life when we were saved. Our very salvation is a taste of that coming transformation. God did a transformation within us by the power of His grace. And that is but a sampling of this coming transformation that He will take us to. Our God is a God of transformation, supernatural transformation, and He will bring about His purposes in the earth. The second thing is this, that we have a hope, not only in a God of supernatural transformation, but we have a hope in a God of uh, ever-increasing breakthrough. God will break through. He will break through into this world with his power, with his grace, with his love, with his kindness to accomplish his will and his purpose. In this particular passage, uh, Paul gives this uh, kind of um, uh, road map of breakthrough, resurrection breakthrough that God is, is putting in place to bring about his purposes. Uh, and we read that. It's verse 23 and 24. He says, for as in Adam, the old creation man, all of us died because of sin. 
Adam's sin, we all died because of this, uh, this curse that is in the earth of sin, death, and evil. So in the Messiah, in Jesus, the new creation man, all of us will be made alive. Now by being made alive, it's not just talking about our being born again. It's talking about our being resurrected. All of us will be resurrected into these new creation bodies. You see, Jesus' body is simply the prototype. His resurrection, his resurrection body is simply the prototype of the bodies that we will get when we are raised from the dead. And so what he's saying here is that in Christ, all will be made alive, all those that believe in Jesus, but each in his own turn. Paul says this will happen, but it will happen in a sequence. And here's the sequence. Christ is the first fruits. That happened 2,000 years ago. The Messiah was raised from the dead 2,000 years ago. He's the first fruit of resurrection, the first one to be raised from the dead. Then when he comes, when he comes back, when he returns to this earth, Paul says those who belong to him will be raised from the dead. Those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, that are following him, that have experienced the forgiveness of our sins, we will be raised from the dead when Jesus returns. Then the end will come. Again, not the end of the world, but the end of this present evil age when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. All of these things that are corrupting this creation. He destroys them. He gets rid of them. And he brings about a new creation filled with the glory of God. God plans a series of resurrections that will transform all things. As a matter of fact, in Romans, Paul says all of creation is waiting for us to be resurrected because creation knows once we're resurrected, it gets resurrected. And, and if you read that in, in, um, in Romans uh, 8, uh, Paul says the creation is groaning, it's waiting for us to be revealed as sons of God, for us to be raised from the dead so that creation itself can enter into this new uh, age of life and glory where God brings heaven and earth together. Now, what I find today is that uh, many believers in the church do not hope in supernatural breakthrough or, or even in ever-increasing breakthrough, but we hope in human evolution. Uh, again, not so much in the issue of creation and evolution, but this kind of notion, this modern notion, that the further we get in time, the more educated we are, the more resources we have, the more techniques we come up with, and so the, the better things will be because of all that we've accumulated in our life. It's, it's like we, we somehow think, and this has gotten in the church, that we can leverage true transformation by our abilities and by our giftedness and by our education and by our resources. Now, I will say this, that these things are helpful but they cannot bring about the level of transformation unless they are anointed with the supernatural power of God. They will not do it. I mean, here we've been going on for all of these years, and yes, modern man has come. I, I remember uh, C.S. Lewis always talked about chronological snobbery. It's kind of this idea, the further along you are in time, the more you think you're better off. Well, yeah, we may be more educated, we may have more resources in modern times, but still, death and sin and evil are in the earth. We're still in this present evil age. We, by our human ability, have not been able to leverage anything for change. The only time there's been significant change in the earth is by the inbreaking of God's power 
particularly in Jesus Christ and in other events in the Old Testament. It is his inbreaking of power that transforms things. It's not our human ability to leverage something. And so what that means is that our faith does not need to be in what we can do. Our faith needs to be in what God can do through us and that we steward his grace and his power and his life into this world. Um, only Jesus, only Jesus can bring about the kind of breakthroughs we need at this time. It's interesting in this passage that Paul, in talking about the sequence of resurrection, he says Christ, or the Messiah, and then he says first fruits. Now, what he means by that, there's a couple of things he could mean by that. One thing he could mean by that is that Jesus is the first fruit of resurrection. Uh, remember, the Jews had a feast called the first fruits. And Jesus was raised from the dead on the day of that feast. And it was a feast where the Jews brought the first fruits of a harvest to be dedicated to God and as a sign that a greater harvest was coming. And so Jesus was raised on the feast of first fruits as the first expression of the resurrection harvest that will come at the end of the age. So that's one way it's understood. But there's another way that's understood. And it's this. Paul indicates that we are experiencing in our life as believers in Jesus the first fruits of resurrection. You see, when you trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, one of the great miracles that happened to you is that God put his Holy Spirit in you. You cannot be a believer in Jesus without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was put in you at the point of your salvation. It's, the Holy Spirit is the reason you were born again. <laughs> he is the one who released the miracle of new creation within you. He's the one who ministers the benefits of Jesus' blood. He's the one who ministers the presence of Jesus within us. And so one of the things Paul says is, look, you have within you the spirit of resurrection. The one who one day will give you a new body, a new resurrected body. He's in you right now as a believer in the Messiah. He's been put within you. And because he's in you, you are experiencing within your life the first fruits of resurrection. You are a new creation in Jesus. You are experiencing new realities. Paul talks in Romans 5 of the peace and the love and the joy that are ours in Christ Jesus. These are new creation realities that we're already tasting in our life because the Holy Spirit is within us. To me, it's kind of like saying, what Paul is saying here is, look, uh, you, the engine of resurrection, the engine of res resurrection, which is the Holy Spirit, has been dropped into your old creation body. And because he's in there, by faith, you can rev him up a little bit and things will begin to happen. Now, you can't rev him up all the way or it'll blow your chassis off. You know? Yet that's why you need a new creation body to handle this spirit who has been put within you. Paul says we'll be resurrected into spiritual bodies. He doesn't mean by that non-physical bodies. He means by that bodies of the spirit, bodies that can handle the full power of the Holy Spirit. That's what our resurrected bodies will be like. But he says, even now, in this present evil age, with your old creation body, the Holy Spirit has been put within you as a guarantee of your resurrection, as a deposit toward your resurrection. 
And because he's in you, you can begin to minister and steward the power and the grace of this Holy Spirit, of this spirit of resurrection. So we can believe for breakthrough because of who's within us. We can believe for supernatural breakthrough into people's lives. And, And again, whether that's praying for the sick or whether it's witnessing about Jesus or whether it's casting out a demon or whether it's raising a foster child and praying for God's grace to be in that child, you need to understand you as a believer of Jesus carry within you the power of resurrection. That's what Paul was saying in Romans. Again, uh, he, he says to the Roman church, look, the spirit of resurrection is within you and he can bring strength to your mortal body, to this old creation body. He can bring power. You can steward the power of God's spirit through your life as you believe, as you trust, as you give yourself in faith to see the Holy Spirit work through you and to accomplish his purposes. So our hope is not in somehow how we can leverage our human strength and our ability to bring about some change. (laughs) No, we carry much more than that within us. We carry the very spirit of resurrection within us And he promises us, and Jesus has promised us, that as we give ourselves in faith and as we give ourselves in full surrender to the work of the Spirit, we can see unusual transformation through our life into the lives of other people and even into our own life as we give the Holy Spirit uh, permission to do what he desires to do within us in terms of transforming our life. Our hope is in a God of ever-increasing breakthroughs. The most important thing we do is to trust him for his demonstrations of resurrection power. However that may be, whether it's in personal transformation, whether it's in the transformation of a church, whether it's in the transformation of a community, whether it's in the transformation of a child, Lord, we're believing you for your grace to break in through us into these lives. We want to be stewards of this resurrection power that you've put within us. So Paul is saying our hope is a hope of breakthrough. Our hope is a hope of supernatural, ongoing, ever-increasing breakthrough. One of the things I've I've noticed in my own life, and probably you've noticed this, it doesn't matter how great and wonderful an experience of God you've had, have you ever noticed you want more? (laughs) It doesn't quite seem to satisfy. You always want more. Well, the reason for that is we cannot know the fullness of who he is until we receive those resurrected bodies and so we're always a bit frustrated because of how far we can go now it's true we can't know fullness but i believe we can know much more than what we know Uh, you know you can go to costco and you can have a pretty nice meal if you plan it right you know all those samples they have out there you can kind of move around and just uh, you know kind of fill up on the samples And the reason they give you samples is they want to stir your taste for the product so that you buy the product. (laughs) Well, that's what God has done by putting the Holy Spirit in us. He stirred up our hunger, our desire for greater resurrection expression in our life. And although we can't experience right now in this present age the fullness of resurrection power, that can only be experienced when Jesus returns, In this age, we can experience a sample of resurrection power. And I want to say to you, I don't think the church in the West has yet experienced the full sample of what's available to us. (laughs) If we read Acts 
If we read some of the prophecies in the scripture about what God wants to do in his church, there's so much more that he wants to do, so much more we can believe him for, so much more we can expect him for as we give ourselves in faith to his purposes. Third thing is this, and let me just kind of close with this. We have a hope in a God of ever-increasing partnership. The, the deal is this. Not only has God saved us, transformed us, and put his Holy Spirit within us, but God is saying to us, I want you to partner with me in my purposes to bring about this new creation. Can you imagine? So that in this present age, we partner with God for kingdom expansion. That's our that's our calling as believers to help God expand his kingdom across the earth into this community, into the lives that are around us, whether it's family lives, whether it's the community, the neighbors around us, or maybe even if God calls us uh, as uh, Jason and Felicia to another country to expand the kingdom in another part of the earth. Our calling as believers in this age is to expand the kingdom. Then the scripture indicates in the in this kind of transition age between this age and the new creation, which Scripture may call millennium, or people call the millennium, or, or a period of time in which Jesus reigns upon earth, when we are resurrected from the dead, we will partner with God in kingdom dominion, and then when the new creation comes, we partner with him in kingdom fullness. You say, well, what does that look like? And I say to you, I don't know. <laughs> the Scripture gives kind of a, uh, I think N.T. Wright says it's kind of like looking into a mist with a great light on the other side. You know, you kind of see fuzzy images of what it might look like, what it could look like. But I, I'm convinced that we don't have a whole lot in Scripture about what it will look like except in symbolic language because we're dealing with categories of reality that our mind cannot grasp in terms of what God has in store for us. But we are told that the partnership we'll with God will go on for all of eternity, whatever that looks like. And it starts now. As a believer in Jesus Christ, God welcomes you to partner with him in his purposes in the earth. Now, what I find is a lot of people have this kind of hope and fatalism, you know, that God's going to do everything and we're poor, we're poor sinners and worms and all we can do is kind of sit back and watch him do it. But if I understand scriptures, God is giving us an invitation to partner with him in his purposes in the earth. And, and I know uh, David's heart for you guys is that all of you would find uh, your thing, what God is calling you to do, because God calls us all to purposes. And it may not be going to another country to do ministry. It may be right here in Marietta, in your family, in your life, with the neighbors around you. But God is asking you to partner with him and the purposes of kingdom expansion in this time in which we live. You see, we have been given a great privilege. <laughs> we're in a big business. We're in, we're in a big purpose that God is moving things toward the return of his son. And what he's asked us to do is to give of ourselves fully and completely in this kingdom expansion. Say, Lord, I, my life is yours. You show me how I can invest in others to see the expansion of your kingdom in, in, the, uh, in the connections of relationships that are in my life. Now, let me say this, uh, and I'll close with this. I, I, uh, I, I, partnership with God doesn't always mean we see the fruit of that partnership. Many times we do, and it's a blessing to see that fruit. 
But sometimes we invest and invest in faith and trust God with the fruit. Uh, Our responsibility is obedience to the Lord to partner with him in whatever he's calling us into. Several years ago at uh, Riverstone, and some of you may have been there then, we had a kingdom expansion conference at the church, and we had invited two people to come and speak. One was Deborah Shu, who was a, um, she and her brother Peter uh, headed up the largest house church movement in China. Millions of people involved in it. And eventually they were exiled from China, so she was here in the United States with her brother trying to raise money for uh, the Back to Jerusalem movement, which is what Jason's involved in now in China, and that is to raise up uh, Chinese Christians to be sent out of China as missionaries to move across uh, the 1040 window, that area between China and and, uh, the Middle East, and to plant churches and to finally reach Jerusalem because they felt like that God has moved in China in order to fulfill and finish the Great Commission. And so that's what Deborah Shue was giving herself to and trying to encourage people. Matter of fact, Jason and Felicia, because of Deborah, uh, are are in Kuming now training these uh, Chinese students. So she was there. The other person that was at the conference was... uh, uh, Daniel Lim, who's with the uh, Kansas City International House of Prayer. And uh, Daniel was from Malaysia. Uh, he, he married a, a woman from Burma. And the Lord had an incredible supernatural direction to bring them to the United States. And now he was helping to plant these houses of prayer across the earth. They, uh, Deborah and Daniel didn't know each other. Uh, we just had invited them both here. Now, the reason Deborah came to, wanted to come to Riverstone was because of uh, Pam Downs, who's a member of our church. Uh, Pam's uncle was a brother Strothers. He was a Baptist missionary from North Georgia Mountains. And his his church, little church, Baptist church, sent him to China back in the early part of the 1900s. And he poured out his life in China until the revolution. And then he had to leave. Where he ministered, he re, the gospel was released in that area, and it was because of his ministry that Deborah and Peter came to the Lord. And so Deborah wanted to come back, thank Pam, and kind of see the church that uh, Pam was a part of and minister to us. While during the conference, Pam mentioned to Deborah and Daniel that when the revolution broke out in, in China and Brother Strothers had to leave China, Instead of coming back to the United States, he took his family and they went to Malaysia to establish a work. And so Pam had brought some pictures of the work there in Malaysia. And when they were looking at it, Daniel saw one picture and he said that the picture was the house, a ministry house that Brother Strothers had established. And Daniel looked at that picture and said, that's the house my wife and I had our honeymoon in. And uh, we came to find out that the work Brother Strothers established in Malaysia was the work that eventually brought Daniel Lim into the kingdom of God. So, and when when I heard all this, it was a surprise to all of us, all of us. We never realized the connection this man had. And uh, when I heard that, you know, I got to thinking, I bet there were days when Brother Strothers thought, what is this all about? 
you know, here I've poured out my life in China, and now I have to leave because of the revolution. All my work has dissolved. And then he goes to Malaysia, and he's working day in and day out, wondering, you know, maybe a few believers, but what is this really all about? And yet the fruit of his labor that probably he never knew unless he knows it from heaven <laughs> has been massive. The, the largest, the largest house church movement in China was the fruit of his labor. And now this uh, explosion of houses of prayer all over the earth is the fruit of his labor. You see, it's not for us to know the fruit. <laughs> it's for us to obey the call. And when God says, I want you to partner with me in this, we give ourselves fully believing that we are stewarding into the earth the resurrection power of God to transform nations, transform people, transform families, transform a child. We are a means of God's grace into this earth. Uh, this morning, I'd like uh, just to give an invitation. One is maybe some of you are saying, you know, today I need, <laughs> I really need a breakthrough of God's grace in my life. Maybe it's an area of sickness or uh, provision for your life or relationships where you need to see some change. Uh, and so we want to pray for you. Uh, but the other may be, some of you are saying, you know, I, I know I need to partner with God and His purposes through my life. And maybe you know what He's calling you to do and you're just finding it hard to make that step. Maybe you don't know what he's calling you to do and you want to know because God has something for you. He has a direction and purpose for your life that he wants to reveal to you and, and he will as you open your heart to him. So uh, we're going to go back into worship and invite the worship team to come on up and then those of you who are part of the ministry team uh, invite you to come up. Let's, let's stand together as the, these folks make their way up. And if you have any need this morning... That's what this time is for, to pray and believe for God's grace into your life. We just encourage you to hear the Lord and respond as he's, as he's directing. Uh, Lord, we are grateful for this incredible hope that is ours, Father, in Jesus Christ. That uh, his resurrection is a signal to us that our future is so bright, so incredible, so beyond anything we could ever imagine. And that it's the future that impacts the present. So Lord, we want to believe you today for all that you have for us as the, your people. And I ask now, Lord, as ministry happens, that you would meet people in the fullness of your kindness and love and grace. We love you today. We honor you, Jesus. We exalt you. You're worthy of our praise and our adoration. And we thank you for what you've accomplished for us through the cross. And what you've accomplished through, for us through your resurrection. We pray in your holy name. Amen.